Our reading this morning is from John chapter 15, verse 18, through chapter 16, verse 4. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and have hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you, that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. Thank you so much, Anna, for reading the passage for us. And please do keep it open in front of you as we spend this time to look at it together. And if you would find it helpful, there's a a rough outline which can be found on the back of the handout you were given at the door. If we haven't met, my name's Will. And before we delve into this passage, I'm going to pray for the Lord's help for us. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that we have the freedom to gather here today to open up your word and to listen to you. We pray that you might give us soft hearts which are changed by you this morning. Amen. And this morning, we're back continuing our series looking at John chapters 13 to 16. And during this series, we've been seeing that Jesus is preparing his disciples for life once he has departed from them. We've been reading that once he leaves... He's going to send down the Spirit to help them, that they're going to abide in Jesus and his love, and they're going to be part of a people who love one another. And in our passage today, well, Jesus is still preparing his followers for what life will be like once he's gone. But as you've probably picked up from the reading, it's a sobering view of what is to come for Jesus' followers. But we see at the start of chapter 16, why Jesus wants his followers to know this sobering view. Let's read chapter 16, verse 1 again. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. 
Jesus is preparing his followers for life without him so that we might be ready for it. He pre-warns us of what is to come so that we might be prepared for it. And in life, it's good to be prepared so that we're ready for the things that will happen. I spent probably too much this past week watching the Commonwealth Games. It's a little bit like the athletes competing there at the moment. They were told a long time in advance that they were going to be competing, and that meant they could hit the gym, they could improve their fitness, get training, and get mentally ready for the final. So that when their competition came around, will they be as ready as possible for it? Because we all know that the athlete who's trained and has actually put the time in, well, they're more likely to win the gold than the one that forgot the games were going on and had forgotten to prepare and just turned up on the day. Because when we're prepared for something, well, we're in a much better place to face it than if we aren't prepared. If we're caught off guard or surprised by what's going on, then we might all too easily stumble and fall away. And Jesus says this in chapter 16, verse 1, that he's been telling his disciples this, that they will be ready for what comes, and they won't fall away. And the reason they might be tempted to fall away is because the future sounds pretty bleak. We heard in the reading that Jesus is preparing them for the fact that they will be hated in the world, and they will even face persecution for following him. A future that if we were left unprepared for, and Jesus had never given us any indication to expect, well, we might make, it might make us think that we'd start to do something wrong, or that maybe Jesus had just stopped caring for us. But no, we'll see as we delve into this passage that Jesus is preparing us for normal Christian experience of facing hatred and persecution so that we will keep on going through it. And to kind of help us look at this passage, we're going to kind of split into three headings, and they can be found on the, he- on the handout. So we're going to turn, firstly, to verses 18 to 21. The world will hate you because it hates Jesus. Let's read from verse 18 again. If the world hates you, know that it's hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Jesus tells his apostles they will be hated by the world. That because they follow Jesus and were called out of the world by him, the world won't love them, but the world will hate them. And this isn't to say that they're they're meant to be a really argumentative and controversial bunch in order to drum up hatred for themselves. Jesus doesn't want them to be gun-ho out looking for a fight. But he's telling them that just because they follow him, they will receive hatred. And that might seem like quite a sudden gear change from what Jesus was just telling his apostles in the previous passage we looked at last Sunday, where we saw they were going to abide in Jesus, abide in his love, be part of a people who loved one another. And then suddenly here, Jesus is telling his apostles that the world will hate them and that the world will hate them because it hates Jesus. Verse 18, if the world hates you, know that it's hated me before it hated you. But Jesus isn't overstating this to be dramatic. He's being honest. 
as his disciples sit in the briefing room just before they're being sent out into the world, they need an honest, if nerve-wracking, view of what is to come. Because as the apostles were sent out, well, they did witness, witness real hatred. It would only be a matter of months later that the church would be scattered by persecution and they would endure imprisonments and other trials because they chose to proclaim Jesus and belong to him. And the apostles still face it today when the words they recorded for us in the New Testament come under attack when they are taught in the world today. The apostles saw real hatred from the world solely because they belonged to Jesus. And although these words were first spoken to the apostles, they also set the pattern for normal Christian life too. That if we are following Jesus, then we too will find ourselves facing hatred from the world. And I guess as we read that, I wonder how that might make us think. What what do we make of the fact that Jesus says the world hates him? Is that how we view the world? Is that how we think the world views Jesus today? And as we think about that, there'll be some here that just thinks this is really obvious. That since you've been a Christian, well, sadly, you've all too acutely known the hatred from the world which comes because you follow Jesus. Not because you were being overly combative, but just because you were trying to live for him. Maybe you see it at work when your colleagues' attitudes become slightly more hostile when they realize you are a Christian who takes Jesus seriously. Or maybe your friends became slightly less friendly when they realized you belonged to that church. Or perhaps even more sadly, families have become more distant because they do not want to hear you talk about Jesus anymore. And they don't want to know you because they don't want to know about Jesus. These are sad realities that many Christians face today. And if you're feeling these strains at the moment, and they're really pressing your heart, then please do come and grab someone and speak to them about it. We'd love to be a church which loves and supports one another to help us get through these things. And why not grab your small group leader or an elder to chat through it? But as well as seeing this on an individual basis, we can also see this corporately as a church, such as when a, a church family without its own building struggles to find somewhere to meet because they're not welcome in the local area because they've been sticking to God's word and proclaiming Jesus. Or for the church in in countries across the globe, unable to gather openly for the threat of arrest, imprisonment, and even death, where to be known as a follower of Jesus can be a literal death sentence. Christians across all ages and all continents have felt, to varying degrees, the hatred which comes to them because they stick with Jesus. And I'm not saying that it's only ever Christians who are hated in the world today. Sadly, it's an all-too-common feature of our world, and we'll all be aware of it, and we've seen it expressed in many forms, probably directed at pretty much everyone on earth. But, But as we read this passage, Jesus is correcting our view if we think we won't ever receive hatred for being a Christian. Because actually for some of us here, well, we might be shocked 
to hear Jesus speak in such black and white terms. We might be shocked to hear him say that the world hates him and that the world hates his followers too. Because as we were probably all taught as children, hate is a strong word. And it's a strong word to describe how the world treats Jesus and his people sometimes. I'm sure we all know many people who wouldn't call themselves Christians, but they are very friendly to us. And hatred just seems like too strong a word. And surely from what we were seeing last week, a group of people abiding Jesus' love, loving one another, well, surely they would be loved and respected by the world, that if Christians are living obediently, well, they should expect the world to, to like that and to think that's quite honorable. Well, it's helpful for us to see in this passage that Jesus is clear that the world does hate him, and hate is the word he chooses to use, and that those who follow him will find themselves being hated by the world too. So when Christians are hated for living obediently, well, they aren't doing something wrong, and Jesus hasn't abandoned them, but this is normal Christian experience. For as we read in verse 20, it's impossible for those who follow a persecuted and hated Jesus not to be persecuted and hated ourselves. Let's read the verse again. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my word, they will keep yours also. Jesus is reminding his disciples of what he said back in chapter 13, just after he'd washed their feet. And then he was encouraging them to serve one another because he had just served them. And Jesus is using that same idea that a servant cannot be greater than the master to show that his followers must be hated in the world. Because if Jesus was hated, well, can we really expect to be treated better than he was? It might be tempting for us to think that we could have a a slightly savvier approach to the Christian life. Maybe if we've just kind of smoothened out those rough edges and make our public image just a little bit more palatable for the 21st century, well, then maybe we might not experience quite the level of hatred that Jesus did. We could be a church that followed him, but just missed some of the overt hatred. Well, we see in verse 21, all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. Jesus is clear that the world will hate those who follow him, And we cannot expect to be greater than he was. We can't expect to be treated better than he was. So if we're going to follow Jesus and bear his name in the world today, then we must expect to be hated and persecuted because he was hated. And as we've we've said lots this morning, this, this might seem like quite a heavy way to start a Sunday in the summer. But as we've been dwelling on this, it might leave us with one, one question. And that is, why does the world hate Jesus so much? Why does the world hate Jesus? And that, that leads us into verses 22 to 25, where we're going to see why the world hates Jesus. And we'll discover that the world hates Jesus without a cause. Its hatred is baseless, and it's inexcusable. And Jesus is going to expose this through his words and his works. So let's read verses 22 to 25 again. If I had not come and spoken to them, 
they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. We see in verses 22 and 24 that Jesus says if he had not come and spoken, and if he had not come and done the works that he did, that they would not have been guilty of sin. But he has come, and halfway through verse 22, now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. Now this, this can't mean that before Jesus arrived, everyone was sinless. Jesus didn't bring people's rejection of God when he came to earth. We've seen in Romans chapter 1 that we've all seen God clearly revealed to us and that we've been suppressing the truth for a lie and rejecting God. But, But those who have heard Jesus' words and have heard of or seen his works and then they hate him, well, they have no excuse for their sin. His coming has revealed their rejection of God. They cannot claim ignorance for rejecting him, and nor can they cover it up anymore, but they are knowingly hating Jesus. He's exposed it, and the world is found guilty and without excuse for it, and therefore guilty of hating the Father too. Whoever hates me hates my Father also. Their hatred of Jesus and their hatred of the Father is without excuse, and they are all the more culpable of it, having heard his words and seen his works. We can see this unfold in John's Gospel, such as in chapter 11, when Jesus raises Lazarus from the grave. It's an amazing sign of God's power over death, and Jesus' teaching promises eternal life for all those who would follow him. Yet the religious council, looking on, instead of believing and following Jesus, they start plotting to kill him. And the chief priests try and kill Lazarus too. The world hates Jesus, and his coming exposes this in our hearts. And Jesus' words and works continue to expose people today. When his standard is held up and his words are taught, well, it is often hated. Or when we speak of his works, they're rejected, denied, brushed to the side. Both of these exposing a real hatred of Jesus and revealing that they are without excuse. Something which, apart from God's graciousness to us, we would all be exposed of. So Jesus exposes their sin of hating God. But, but what is the actual reason that the world hates Jesus and the Father so much? Well, we see from verse 25 that it is without cause. Let's read the verse again. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. In this verse, Jesus is quoting from Psalms 35 and 69. And in both of those Psalms, we see King David is suffering at the hands of his own people. David is enduring hatred from his brothers, but still delights in the Lord 
who can deliver him from his foes. And in both Psalms, David acknowledges before God that he is receiving all this evil against him without a cause. That those who opposed him have absolutely no reason for their hatred of him. And, and Jesus is fulfilling that pattern as the world hates Jesus without a cause. Although they have heard his words and they have seen his works, they continue to hate him and even kill him without a cause. And although it is a strong word, the world does hate Jesus without a cause. So having looked at this sobering view of the world, I wonder how we might all be feeling right now. Maybe we can resonate with the apostles, as we'll see next week, that after hearing Jesus say all this, well, their hearts are filled with sorrow. To know that we'll be hated, and to know that the hatred of Jesus is totally without a cause, well, it could easily make us feel full of sorrow. Perhaps because it, it makes us feel hopeless. Following Jesus is just going to bring us hatred. Well, then what is the point in carrying on? If we're just going to keep on going being hated and enduring this, why don't we all just get up and leave and pack it in? Or maybe for some of us it makes us irate, gets us angry at the world, or actually we even become scared of the world. And we want to become a church that bunkers down and relishes in the us versus the world attitude and turns in on ourselves as we distance ourselves from the world. One or, or perhaps both of these responses might appeal to us. But we're going to see that Jesus isn't saying this so that his followers would all give up and go home. And he isn't saying this that we might become a group which turns in on ourselves and rages at the world from afar. But we're going to see in our final section that Jesus is telling his followers about the sober reality of life so that we might be prepared for it and keep going through it. Because he wants us to keep on going despite intense hatred from the world. Because on the surface, hatred from the world might make it seem like Jesus is losing, or at least his plan is failing. And we might all be tempted to abandon ship and presume something's gone terribly wrong. But actually, he's equipping his followers to keep on going, no matter how intense the hatred might become. We can, we can see this in Jesus' own life. Even though he was hated, those who opposed him couldn't stop his plan. Even in the worst act of hatred and persecution the world's ever seen, when Jesus himself was crucified, he was still able to bring in his salvation plan. And that's the, same, that's the same for the apostles and for the church today. That no matter how much we might be opposed, and no matter how much those who follow Jesus might be hated, this does not stop the mission of the church in bringing the gospel out to all nations so that many might believe. And we're going to see that from our final point in chapter 15, verse 26, to 16, verse 4 that Jesus wants us to keep on going despite intense hatred from the world. Jesus has been warning the apostles about the hatred coming their way because he wants them to keep on going with the mission he's given them, which we see in verse 27. 
is to keep witnessing about him. And that even though the world will hate them, we saw back in verse 20 that as they witness, some will come to keep their word and believe. And so to help his people keep going through opposition, Jesus prepares them for what they will inevitably face. And one way he does this is in in verses 26 and 27, by reminding them that although he is about to depart, he is not leaving them on their own. Let's read from verse 26 again. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me, and you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. As the apostles bear witness about Jesus, will they do so with the spirit of truth as their helper, who is also bearing witness about Jesus? Which is such wondrous news for them. Although this might be what they're going to have to live through, and although Jesus is soon going to be gone, he is not leaving them on their own. And that's true even today, For those of us who know and love Jesus, well, he has given us his spirit so that whenever we put our neck on the line for Jesus, well, we can do so knowing that the spirit of truth is witnessing into the hearts of people. It doesn't all depend on us, and we don't face hatred alone, but we've been given a great helper who keeps us going despite intense hatred. Knowing this means that when opposition comes our way, well, we're much better prepared to face it so that we can keep on going despite it. And as, and as well as reminding us of the Spirit's help in the face of opposition, Jesus has also given us his words so we might be better prepared for opposition. Because as we see at the beginning of chapter 16, Jesus has spoken to his followers in the briefing room to prepare them for the hard times that await them. Let's read from chapter 16, verse 1 again. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do all these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you, that when the hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. Jesus has been saying all this to keep them from falling away when intense persecution comes, so that when it comes, they can remember this conversation. As we thought about earlier, it really wouldn't take long before the apostles found themselves being thrown out of the synagogue and even being killed by people who thought they were serving God. We can read about John in Revelation chapter 1, who would end up exiled and imprisoned on the island of Patmos because of his faith. Or the Apostle James in Acts 12, where he's killed by Herod and Peter is sent off into prison. The apostles saw intense opposition, even to the point of death. But even then they could think back and remember Jesus' words to keep them going through persecution. And that's the same today, isn't it? 
Sadly, Christians across the world are treated awfully at times. Such as right now, ministers in Eritrea being rounded up in the night and imprisoned, or Christians being killed in Myanmar. Christians can face real and intense hatred. But even so, they can remember these words and know that the Lord Jesus prepared them to keep on going through it. And opposition even comes from those who think they're offering service to God, verse 2. Such as when the established churches leave little room for gospel churches, we can see the hatred that some have towards Jesus' words and works across the UK, and even just in the history of our own church. Sadly, we do not need to look too far to see it. And the hatred can be intense, and the hatred can be from really close to home. So much so that it might make us think about changing our tact, and that might lead us to fall away. But Jesus has given us his words to remember and to help keep us going to stop us from falling away. Because as we saw in points one and two, it reminds us that Jesus knew this was coming. It was, to be, it was not unexpected. It hasn't caught him off guard, so it needn't catch us by surprise. But also he's reminded us of truths which will help us in the midst of persecution, such as the help of the Spirit when trying to speak for Jesus today, but also back in the previous passage from last week, where Jesus taught us to abide in him, and that we as a church family should be a place where we love one another. Well, isn't it a great reminder to know that when things are tough? Because after a hard day at work, when you faced hatred for being a Christian, it's great to know that you can spend good time with your church family and our small groups eating, praying, and listening to God's word together. Or after another long, painful, and arduous week, what a privilege it is to be able to meet as a church family, to love, support, and care for one another. But although the hatred might be intense at times, we do not face it alone, but we abide in Jesus, and we come together to help keep each other going so we might not fall away. Jesus has been teaching us all these things so we might be able to keep on living for him and not fall away, even when the opposition's intense and even when the persecution really hurts. We have all we need in him. So that the next time we face hatred because we've spoken up for Jesus, And we might be tempted at that point to start putting our head down or to even backtrack on what we just said. Or maybe just to simply think we cannot keep on going living like this. Well, we can be reminded that before we were hated, Jesus, our master, was hated. We can be reminded that we have the spirit of truth as our helper. We can be reminded that we abide in Jesus and have a loving church family which supports us. And we can be reminded that Jesus knew this was part of normal Christian life. That his gospel will go out in the midst of a world set against him, but that we can keep on going through it, even though it might seem too much, because he has prepared us. And so we can look back 
remember what he has taught us. So that the next time hatred comes our way, we might not compromise, but instead we would keep on going and not fall away. Because Jesus has prepared us to face hatred and the persecutions will come. But as we remember his words and keep on going, living for him and speaking for him, even in the world which hates us, even in a world which opposes his people intensely, we are prepared for hatred. So we can go out with confidence that whatever we may face, no matter how intense and no matter how painful, we've been prepared to face it. And we have everything we need to keep on going through it. Because Jesus said, I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that your word prepares us for the reality of this world. Thank you that you've given us all we need to face persecution and hatred. We thank you for your spirit, and we thank you for Jesus' words, which help us to live for you in the world today. We pray that you would help us to be a church which does not fall away when persecution comes, but that you would help us to keep living for you. And please help us to be a church which abides in your love and seeks to love one another so that we can support each other through the struggles we face. Amen.